Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Me? yeah. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> okay. So now. Sarah, he's like jumping in. Okay. Okay. Your, your hair is perfect. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know what? Uh, TJ, is, is, is that sound better? It doesn't sound better, but there's no echo now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you talking about my audio? Yes. How is that? Oh, that's actually better. Yeah, I can hear you just fine. Okay, I turned myself up. Sorry, gentlemen. There you go. There you go. Okay, so I, uh, you know, from the group that I hang around, uh, you don't need any introduction. (laughs) But uh, this is is Toy Newkirk. Wait, wait, Toy Newkirk. I have to go left to right. Let, there she is. <laughs> this is Toy Newkirk. She was... Uh, oh, hi. Yeah, hi, hi. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to let you tell uh, uh, who you are. Hello, everybody. I am Toy Newkirk, uh, formerly from Sheila from A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4. Um, also some other little stuff when I was a little kid. And um, a good friend of Nick Strong. That's that's right. And, <laughs> and uh, you, you know, I, I, I wanted to uh, kind of uh, talk about what you're doing today. Um, kind of talk about your family before you started. Uh, because I know that your father was involved in business for a long time, right? This is correct. Yes. Um, you know, it's interesting. My father was born in North Carolina, um, raised in Maryland. Um, his backstory of the Newkirks is quite interesting, and I'm actually writing a period piece on that. Oh, cool. Going all the way back to 1840 when they first became mulattoes in North Carolina. Carolina. Um, but that's my father's family. His father is Swan Hill Newkirk, which I thought was a badass name. And uh, my father at some point uh, married my mother, had my two older brothers and said that was it. He just kind of wanted to break out and go new. And with like a hundred bucks in their pocket, they headed out west to California. Um, the story is when they drove over the Coanga Pass, uh, it was nothing but orange fields. That's how Absolutely. It was. That was a while back. Drove, I say. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then uh, he, he was an engineer by trade. Um, very brilliant man. He has all these different patents. He's a, he would be the guy that would be in the garage, uh, you know, fooling around on the car. And then one day, I guess in the early seventies, he saw an article in the paper. It was like, you know, during the time when they were looking for equal opportunities and hiring a lot of African-Americans to diversify, uh, the industry. Uh, and so he saw the camera department was looking for someone and he's like, well, it's kind of, I'm an engineer. I can get that there's, you know, apertures and effects right. and lighting. And I think it kind of fell along in his, in his groove of his mindset. And he took to it. And it was back in the day of the 70s, mind you, when the studios groomed everyone. Every department was groomed. So once you said you worked at Universal, you were in that camera department. So he worked on Bionic Woman, um, $6 million Man. Uh, you know, heart versus heart before he moved over to feature films in the 80s. But I was working as a little girl, even though he didn't want me to. So I would see him <laughs> on set from time to time. 
and he'd just be like, oh, like, this is a horrible industry now that I know. <laughs> you know? But, um, I, I, all, I also think he didn't want to hand anything to me easily. And I think right. that was part of the work ethics that he had set in very, very early on. So I didn't understand it as a, as a child because a lot of my so-called famous people had famous parents and they would give them these great famous jobs. And he was just like, if you want it, you go, go after it. And I cannot appreciate that ethos now more than ever as an adult. Because uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I got to go, go and see how far and how fast. And, and as you know, at that time, if you went in and you showed that you were capable at it, they pretty much hand it to you, you know? I mean, uh, yeah. in, in his case, in his case, being of color, it would have been a little, it would have been uh, different and, and definitely more difficult, but still it, it is a business where uh, you sink if you don't, if you can't, if you can't make it, you'll just sink. Especially within the camera department, because it is so technical. Right. Um, and with all departments, really lighting, uh, audio, just it's very technical business. Um, and precision is what makes you, sets you apart from the rest. He was absolutely amazing at it. He has a, a mind of a mad scientist. For right. instance, um, he, for, for Panavision, mm-hmm. um, he would, he went out and did these commercials. Like he had to do the bunny rabbit commercial. Do you remember the, oh, yeah, the, the energizer, right, bunny the energizer bunny, right? Yeah. 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 So they um, had this one that they had written up and the bunny had to be across, you know, two football fields off <laughs> in the distance at the Vasquez rocks, you know, right. Right. But they, <laughs> they couldn't pull focus while he was moving because the lens didn't equip for it at that time. Right. So my father literally in the middle of the field took his protractor and nerded out and was able to build a <laughs> lens in the field to capture <laughs> this bunny and keep him in focus. And right. without it being a soft focus, you know, as far as, and so from there he started to build lenses for Panavision. Now he didn't patent any of them. And, and it's one of those things where he gave a lot and, um, and he went through a lot, um, of just, just discrimination for sure. Right. Um, yeah. but he had a really solid team of cameramen, Alan Davio, uh, was his really, who picked him up and said, come on, we're going to go at this together. And that was his guy for about two decades, three decades. That is just more hand and glove together. That is that that is so awesome to me. I I I, I mean, and and the the struggles, the, the struggles that that you I I, I had a, a a guy by the name of William Jackson that uh, he did all of our he kind of held our construction group together uh, uh, in terms of uh, um, our construction and special effects in terms of paperwork and stuff like that, and. Um, and he would, he would, the thing is, we would work the craziest hours. I mean, right. You work the craziest hours, right? right? And, and he, he, he wouldn't be there. He, he absolutely said, he said, look, I, you guys can drive back at three o'clock in the morning home. 
I'm not going to do that because I may because because <laughs> I won't be back in the morning. <laughs> I mean, I have a yeah a really good chance of right. uh, of not you know showing up, and I'm like uh, I'm not it, getting back home. Right, of not getting back home, it and I think I think that my time my time in L.A. Uh, uh, of working in the movies and so forth. First of all, there's two layers of privilege here. There's the layer of working in L.A. and being in the movies. That's <laughs> that's a layer of privilege. But then the right. second the second layer sure. of privilege is is that we would have over people of color. And uh, and seeing that made me even more radical than I was <laughs> as as a stupid kid in San Bernardino. <laughs> well, you know, those stupid kids grow up and I appreciate them as my great allies. So, <laughs> 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 well, you know what? We we talked last time about uh how it, to a certain extent uh it was so great that uh, uh a guy comes from Finland. Um <laughs> that comes from Finland and kind of kind of wow. uh enveloped your character in in a, in a way that I don't think most people saw anybody at that time uh, of color and I thought it was just yeah kind of it was amazing it really was I mean you know it kind of went so far against expectation and we talked about this uh, uh Especially at the time yeah yeah, yeah. I particularly at the time uh, uh you know uh yeah. see, seeing an incredibly smart uh young and w- what surprised me was that you weren't just acting young <laughs> you were young <laughs> i just found out <laughs> well you know <laughs> the funny thing was about that time um because i was having a you know i think in youth anyways we have identity crises uh, to begin with Um, And then to have being a a working actress and then also still in public schools, majority white schools, because my father, we lived in Studio City. We lived. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, And so. So my surroundings were of such, but my parents were so hyper aware of what would be missed out had I not had any part of my inner city, which was their upbringing. You know, they grew up in the inner cities and they kind of got out of it, but they didn't want me to lose uh, my quote unquote blackness, who I am as a black woman to always identify as a black woman. Right, right. Don't lose yourself is what they would say. So I would go to the inner city playhouses every weekend since I was five years old. And Chick Fields, Kim Fields' mother was my acting coach. And then guy Gary Vernay, who was amazing. And so I was in acting class with Malcolm Jamal and Kim Fields and just kind of a whole uh, Regina King when we went over to Marla Gibbs. So I was always entrenched in the weekend in not only my craft, but my mom made sure I was in my culture learning my craft. So um, so you so have... it was it was difficult for me. Right. It, it was difficult because um, I. I was in school, right, not learning to speak white, but English. Right, right, exactly. However, (laughs) I was being scolded on the other side of it, saying that you're not black enough and you're too white. So, And then the white people were saying that you're too black. So I really have always forged my own road of how I'm going to 
traverse this life because it wasn't acceptance on either side. Um, right. So I created my own tribe. It's my unicorn tribe. I think it's it's true. You know, I I think it's really interesting how uh, and I I don't know. It just happens. This this is going to sound really strange, but the the Nightmare on Elm Street four group kind of became <laughs> kind of became what they were on the screen you know i mean to this point it's 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 kind of funny because uh that's what your character was in nightmare on elm street 4 you know was that riding the line right. kind of character and um danny hassel's the party guy you know er, oh you remembered his name this time i did <laughs> <laughs> called you out yeah he called me out <laughs> <laughs> so uh so I, I, so it, it's so funny that that you know everybody kind of like kind of became you know brooke thies is is still this mm-hmm. day is the super uh super athletic one right right and uh yeah. and to to well, certain, yeah, and she's still very vocal in her opinion right she's right steadfast in her belief yeah. Right, 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 right. So, uh, but, but still, I mean, out of them all, I love you, dear. I really do. And I, I, yeah. So, yeah, so <laughs> now, now you went on. Now you did. Now you went on, and you product uh, produced uh, some things and directed some stuff. Oh yes. Um, there was yeah, a. Um... Go. I'm gonna let you do, no. Hit it. What what you produced you produced a TV a couple of TV shows. I Actually, prior to the show going live, we talked about her working with Howard Stern. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Can I do I get to hear that too? Yeah. It's my show, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was just you know that little chatter that you do before you Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? I, I own that chatter. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's when you cut the wire of the internet and it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I joke, I joke behind the scenes. Okay, so, but really, um, because I had such this great upbringing with the technical side, I had learned how to shoot at a very young age. So there was a point where I was like, oh, I'm going to be a cameraman like my right. father. Um, but then I just kept working as an actress. I wish I had um, taken his tutelage seriously at that time because I always said, oh, I'll get back to it, um, which I still can now. But for the most part, I can pick up a camera. I can shoot. Never a 35 millimeter, the crap that he yeah, has. Absolutely yeah, not. Yeah. However, a video cam now, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I know how to pull focus. I know composition. I know depth. I know how to flag. I know how to do all that stuff. But that came because as I was acting, I still was making my little shorts behind the scenes. Uh, Cuba Gooding and, and Lightfield Lewis, um, again, from high school days, right after high school, we were all friends. Right. And, and like Toby McGuire was in our class and Walton Goggins. And we would all, we we're in this acting class. We were about 18, 19, and sometimes we'd pull it off and go to different people's homes and and we would shoot our own acting classes, our own projects. And, and then from there, I was like, well, 
I, I would love to be able to do this, but I'm always, but for money, because at that point I'm now out of the house and I've got to make money. Right. Um, I just stuck to acting. And then, um, God, there's so many years in there that is blurry because, you know, I lost a brother, died when I was 21. I don't know. A lot of people don't know this. But there was a lot of blurry times in there. I was working and still dealing with real life issues. Right. And then um, I had the opportunity to really go behind scenes. But the opportunity was to really drop down. And I made a decision to myself was don't let anyone know you were an actress. Because the first time in that job when they found out I was, there was a lot of respect that was lost. It's not that you could, you just, just tell in demeanor it's, and an execution of how it, one speaks to you. This is so right? true. This is so true. I mean, you know, it, yeah, no, yeah. You, you know, the, the business, the, the business loves to pigeonhole you and, and, and boy, they and love, they, to, they really love to pigeonhole you if you're an actress. <laughs> and I have to admit is more than anybody, right. more than, an more than any, <laughs> I, Myself have pigeonholed a lot of actors. <laughs> well, right. Sorry. I don't blame you because I, I get it. I get it. You know, and so I made a decision. I talked to my father and he's like, well, if you're really going to go for this, go for it. And, and I said, I'm just not going to tell anyone that I was nasty. So no one knew. Um, people would, there'd be different PAs or sometimes throughout a shoot, someone would be like, I recognize you. And I was like, I don't know, I have a dolphin gal girl out there. I have no idea. You know? And I, and so so you, I would you, work extra hard with pulling cable. Right. And you wouldn't drive your scooter to work, right? No. Right, right. Exactly. But, I basically um, at some point said, okay, that's it. And I really drilled down because I wanted to learn, again, another side of the craft. I I'm designed to be a storyteller. I'm designed to be in this. It's what I know and right. what I know I love. But I also wanted to know because my father was so technical and he was such an astute learner about it that he really enforced that, that you're going to do anything, just do it right. So I literally was the best PA. I was the best coordinator. I was the best production manager. Then I moved up to line producing because I would make that budget so tight. I would make sure that <laughs> I always said with the budget, make sure you do not take from your crew. Your crew you give to. You can make your deal for right. your vendors. And so right. that was always my note. So my crews loved me because, yes, if you needed your rental box, and you needed some extra because you don't know when you're going to use this, but you just know you need that on set. I'm going to make sure that's paid for. And I'll go talk to a vendor, whether it be a locations or whether it be someplace that I can actually make a deal. And say, right, hey guys, right. Let's right. bring this down and I'll throw the money to my crew. From that, because I'm a crewman's daughter, not a coal miner's daughter, but I'm right. You're a crewman's daughter, right? So I'm always, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna always honor them, and so I produce in that way. Is to make sure. So after I was line producing for a very long time, I was like, okay, I'm I'm not a numbers person, although I'm smart in that way. I just want to get back to the creative because the creative, right? That trajectory of of coordination and production manager and line producing is really dealing with the monetary side of the business. Right, it is. And I learned it, and I was very happy I learned it. But I wanted to move over, so I stepped back down, became an associate producer, a segment producer, and then a story producer, then an overall creative producer to an executive. 
And so I really just worked my way so far away from acting, though, I had forgotten. And now I'm just coming full circle where I did 20 years in front of the camera and I've now done 20 years behind, behind the, the camera. camera. And I think this, yeah, and this is the time to meld the two. And what, and so what is, is there a project that you're, that you're bringing forth that is putting those together? Yeah, you know, COVID's a blessing in disguise, I really think. Um, we never had time to slow down, right? Yeah, oh, that's it. Oh, my God. Things in perspective, right. right? And with this time on hand, although I've squandered so much of it as well, because I'm just trying to figure out, you know, it just seems like with every new, you know, incident, when I woke up the morning of George Floyd, I opened my eyes and it hit my soul in a way that I can't, I can't let it go. I can't let go of that feeling that I absolutely just watched a man being murdered. On right, screen. right, right in front of your eyes. Oh, my absolutely. Experience. Right in front of your eyes. So when people say, oh, you know, um, this was a plan, this is a distraction, I'm like, wait, you cannot plan. <sighs> at least I didn't, to see a murder. Right. And then my reaction to it is going to be enough because my parents and their parents and all the way back, um, I'm going to bring this full circle to what I'm working on now because a lot of the projects, um, Sarah Cooper, you you know Sarah Cooper. The yes, I do. Mimic, uh, that oh, she's that hilarious. Oh, lover. my God. She's so funny. <laughs> well, I, I took something from her to heart, and she had said that there was some. Um, she had written down this idea seven years ago when she was working at I don't know if she was at Google or one of those tech companies, and you know she could interpret what people really were saying. Right. Well. <laughs> and then she came back to it recently and used Trump as it. So yeah, I have right. now gone back to all of my little writing. And there mm -hmm. are just about five projects that have jumped, three of which I've enlisted other executives that I've worked with. Because in my process of working behind the camera, I also pitch shows. I write and I pitch TV shows. I've right. only sold one, and that's okay. And it, it, it was just a pilot, but it's what I do. So um, I now have my own work, and now I've made carved out characters for me to actually be right in and come back because I think it's time to the union, she, the completeness of choice. Do your own thing. Well, if you, if you need a production designer or a first AD <laughs> or a oh fax, I, I'm a, a I'm a yeah. killer first AD. You'd be surprised. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I worked with you when I was eight, years old and I was in the best hands ever. I was, <laughs> I was there and you and your sister just took great care of me. We, we, so yeah. I would definitely you have to you I have to say that uh I it never has anybody taken six months and tried to make through it make it through on like um eight hours of sleep in six months. And, and 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 we and you know what we all survived it. I mean, and and from my point of view, that's pretty important because boy, I was leading through people through some really dangerous stuff. Because if it wasn't going to be dangerous, I made it dangerous. 
really were. Yeah, yeah, you really were. It's true. <laughs> and uh, it was a good time. I know, you know, it's funny. I spent I spent more time with you all than I did actually with Rennie because we had so many weeks behind doing the special effects. Oh yeah! The, oh yeah! Uh, my God! The school. The, I mean, there was so much I did with you all. So I oh the classroom. Like it, my crew. The, the classroom and the blowing that yeah yeah so uh, I I was at a uh, <laughs> I was at a con somewhere and and and, uh, and the the part of the in the classroom came up in a uh, uh, in this round table with like uh, maybe two hundred and fifty people watching right they were there that were in in a room oh. and 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 we were all t- talking about that and they were talking about uh, the the glass blowing in and and uh, there they were kind of uh, I, I mean uh, Robert was there, Robert England, every, and everybody turns to me from a technical point of view and I'm standing there and I'm going, yeah, okay. And they go, well, the glass didn't, doesn't this, is the glass real or is the glass imagined? And I was, I was sitting there, I was like, did you, wasn't it really cool? And the guy goes, oh yeah, it was really cool. I go, well, what difference does it make? <laughs> what difference does it make? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I know people. So we were trying really hard to be cool. That's all we were doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I you figured that was cool our about topic. the horror community. Well, the cool thing about the horror community is how much they actually remember. Oh yeah, actually represent stuff that I would have totally <laughs> if I wasn't right. I wasn't aware of it then. I you don't. Wasn't, I'm not now. See, and you don't get to forget yeah. anything, do you? Right. That's it. you don't no. we don't we don't get to remember to forget anything. How about me? How about many how many films and uh, horror films that I was involved in? And and people come no, right. that's that's not what you did. You go, wait a minute. I was the, I, that's what I, I did. I was there. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, well uh, well I'm happy I had the opportunity to work with you. That was a big time. Oh, listen, listen, you, you've been a joy. Uh, you were a joy then. I, I have to say that now the feeling that I get from you is, is uh, this vivacious, vi- I, I, it's, it's a great word, vivaciousness. Um, there are so few people that I see today that have, that are holding their youth inside of them. And just slightly, yeah. and just slightly tempering it, and then just letting, let, <laughs> still, still letting that punch through. And that's that's what I get. That's what I've always gotten from you. And and uh, I, I just, I just love that. Uh, I love that about you. Now, um, so I appreciate you're, that. You're now kind of caught. You're now uh, bringing up uh, uh, a bunch of uh, projects and stuff. You're you're going to be uh, writing and developing and stuff. That's right. So, I mean, right now, um, because across the platform, I started to work within digital the early part of 2000 and, uh, 2010 through 2014. So I worked at Hulu and I did a lot of, so I'm now bringing across some digital platform, especially now with us 
being locked in. And so I've presented that and I'm pitching those. Um, as well, though, my heart is to go back to scripted world. Um, and so I have one script that's almost complete, um, and that's more of a, that's in the horror genre, and it's actually dealing within the suburbia, but a black suburbia that I know. Um, and it's, you know, real life, but it's, uh, feel, I think it's going to be a great horror. Um, I, I love the idea of it. And, um, but then also I'm doing a period piece, really a, a big epic piece. And, you know, my father did work for Steven Spielberg and Barry Levinson and all of these and with Oprah and all these great people. So I've already written out my letter of how I'm going to approach them for this big epic because it's huge. But it really spans from 1840 North Carolina all the way up until 1970. And it's um, told because of documents that I acquired from the North Carolina Duke University in their their um, archives of uh, documents that I found on my family that they allowed me yes. to go in one week and I copied and I have eight tubfuls of documents dealing with my family, the Newkirks. And they ended up owning about 5,000 acres in North Carolina. Uh, to this day, um, there's other family members that own it. I don't know if oh. rightfully, but we'll see. So there's um, it, 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 and, and there's a court case from 1902 to 1919 where the lawyer of these white kids, because once the last it, it just, it just dies, the land Sounds amazing. is going to go to them. It's beautiful. So that's my big epic. And that's what's taken most of my time. And I'm so grateful for COVID to give me the time and the world to slow down because I needed that. Otherwise, I would just be taking projects and never giving time back to what I think I was <laughs> that's, to do. Well, you know what? I, I it's uh, You're kind of breaking up a little bit. And, and I... I uh, I'm just so glad that I had this opportunity to talk to you again, and uh, I have a feeling that our paths will cross again. Uh, and uh, and I want you to know that I totally love you, and uh, you're just you're still one of my favorite totally people. I love you, Nick. <laughs> uh, you're okay. a good man. Be well. Good luck with the construction. Oh yeah, it's uh, hopefully I won't cut my uh, uh, my. Uh, internet wire again <laughs> okay toy and thank you tj thanks Back for there. coming on tj hello lead us out of here okay guys so that was another episode of the rabbit hole podcast you can find the audio only version on dobackdiscussion.net and of course on spotify google play and itunes and anywhere you listen to your podcasts at this is your host with the most tj bowser signing off Bye, guys. Bye.